Hey guys, in this episode, I sit down with my friend Susanna to talk about some awesome things that her and her husband Brad have done to strengthen their marriage alongside other couples. She gives tons of great tips and ideas, but if you're looking for some further ideas of how to structure your time, I would love for you to reach out to me. I've got lots of great book recommendations or uh, further considerations for how to make it the most fruitful opportunity to strengthen your marriage alongside other couples. You're listening to Lead Them to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hello, friends, and welcome to Lead Them to Life. Today, I am joined by my friend, Susanna. Susanna, welcome to Lead Them to Life. Thank you, Emily. I'm happy to be here. Oh, it's so fun. Zoom is amazing. I'm grateful to be uh, a state away from you and still be able to see your lovely face. So, Susanna, to start us off, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm originally from Wisconsin, so I live in uh, Minnesota right now, but I moved to Minnesota for college. I went to the University of St. Thomas and I got my degree in Catholic studies. I went on to get a master's in pastoral ministry um, and started working for the Office of Evangelization here in St. Paul in Minneapolis. Um, That's more recent though. I Back home, I'm from a family of seven children and three brothers and three sisters. Um, Most of them are still in Wisconsin, so when I do go back home to visit them, I can see most of them at the same time, which is great. Um, So yeah, I've been living here in the cities for, gosh, nearly 10 years, and my husband and I have a daughter, Wilhelmina Grace, and she's eight months. So, And she's just the sweetest. Yeah, she's awesome. (laughs) So is your husband, but really Willow's the sweet. She's just grown so much right now and like developing new skills every day. And it's so fun to watch her. Yeah. And you and I actually met when we were both at St. Thomas and kind of in similar, I feel like we were in similar circles, um, but you were one of those people that was not necessarily like constantly in my life. Like we were kind of in opposite semesters and, and not always in the same classes and that kind of thing. Um, but I always just had such an admiration for you and just this way in which you live your life that I think is so abundantly attractive and you're just an incredible leader and brilliant. Uh, and we were talking, you know, earlier, like I think the last time that we saw each other was three or four years ago at a friend's birthday party that I drove up to, um, Minneapolis for, and I, we like ended up in a side conversation at the end of the table, just unpacking all of these things that we were mutually thinking about and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, I'm so grateful that, that you've taken time to join me for this. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Okay, so one of the things that I really wanted to to chat with you about is kind of the the emphasis on community life that you and your husband, Brad, uh, lean into. Um, This is something close to my heart, and so I'm so, like, pumped just to hear your perspective on it. Um, First of all, why why is that important to you? Where does that desire come from in you? Yeah, I think... Well, growing up, I was homeschooled, and so there was- You are cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you not know that? The common myth about homeschooled people is that they're weird. So every time I can point to a homeschooled person that's awesome, I I take the opportunity. 
have to explain ourselves when we tell others we're homeschooled. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, so I was homeschooled and so there's a homeschool community all around me. And so there are a lot of my cousins who are also homeschooled and we would have days where we would just go to each other's houses and do school together because we could. And, um, there was a community right there. Um, and so that was a community that really shaped me. Um, and moving on from that, just being in college, like there's a huge community there and you have to seek it out. I transferred to St. Thomas my junior year. So I really had to invest a lot in trying to meet people and um, studying abroad in Rome, I, like you did, Emily, that really, really formed some strong, solid relationships. And I think really solidified a community for me um, during that college phase and our relationships that I continue to have today. And I think just having such solid community around me throughout my whole life um, has provided me the people who I can confide in and be vulnerable with and be open with. And I don't know, you know, what I would do if I didn't have those people in my life. Um, because having those people, especially I think, you know, in college and transitioning out of college and trying to find a job and getting married and all of that, like you find people who grow with you in all of these different phases of life. And so they really know you through and through. Um, and I just, am, I'm reminded of the podcast you did with Father Max Baina. And he talked about how as a priest, like he sees people every day, he sees multiple people all day long, but he would go home at the end of the day feeling a sense of loneliness because he didn't feel like he could really share his heart um, necessarily. And I think like community for me is so important because I need to be able to share my heart with others. And that's what that provides for me. And it also provides accountability as well. It's just, there's so many facets, facets to community um, that I think is so valuable. Um, yeah. So that's, that's definitely one of the reasons why community is so important for Brad and I as well. Yeah. And we'll come back to this at the end, but I think the, the heart of that is just that desire to, to be seen and to be known is such a part of the human experience. I mean, it's just, it's so integral to the human experience. And when people don't feel known, they don't do well, they don't flourish, which is just, which is really interesting. So you and Brad, also have like a, a kind of a couples group. I know a couple of years ago you started meeting with just other couples um, to continue that lived experience of community that you had had growing up and throughout your kind of formation uh, years of school and college and um, even post-college. I think you met with a lot of different women's groups and, and that kind of thing. Um, so tell me about you and Brad looking at each other and saying, Hey, we want something for us. How did that, how did that come about? Right. So at the time we were having that conversation, we were both engaged and Brad is very invested in the young adult group at his parish, which is now our parish. Um, but I had belonged to a different parish at the time and we were really trying to talk about, pray about where God wanted us as a couple, where he wanted us to serve, where he wanted us to be, um, what kind of parish ministries we could tap into at our parish. Um, and we just both realized that we wanted something that would help to continue forming us as married couples, as newly married couples. Um, and so 
we decided that that's where we wanted to invest our time was focusing on how we could get more formation and community in that regard. And so we spoke with another couple that we knew from our parish who are friends of ours and they were expressing the same desire. So we just got together and brainstormed and uh, yeah, we're like, well, let's just try a pilot. Let's just invite a couple of friends and they don't have to be from our parish, but let's just get together and see what that looks like. So uh, we started out for six months. We would meet once a month um, and then it would be, you know, an hour of just hanging out, chatting, just catching up. And then we would, so each month was hosted by a different couple. And the second hour of meeting would be um, talking about a reading that that host couple had sent out in advance. So for instance, it might've been something from an encyclical on marriage and family life, or it might've been watching a video on marriage or reading about marriage in the catechism. So that's how we really got started, but it really just came out of wanting to figure out like where we wanted to invest our time together. What was the importance of that first hour of hanging out? Cause I yeah. think sometimes we like want to skip that, you know, and like, all right, we've got little amount of time. Let's get to the meat or whatever. What yeah. was, why the, why the first hour? That was a great question. Yeah. Well, that first hour totally just helps break the ice. I mean, especially in the beginning, not every couple knew each other. And so in that first hour, like if you're playing a game or just introducing yourselves, you get to know everyone's personality and their background and, and how they met their spouse. And I think just really learning everyone's personality, um, it totally obviously makes you feel more comfortable with them. And I think that if you jump right into discussion, it's like, okay, like, I like the sentence on page 112, but you don't have a background for why that person might have liked that, that passage, you know, like having that conversation beforehand helps you, it gives more meaning to the points that they make in conversation. Otherwise I think it's more mundane and routine. Like it would just be like reading a book, you know, like it's you and the book and you're interpreting things as you see, but then getting to have that hour beforehand helps you. It just brings more color to the conversation and helps you get different perspectives. Yeah. And it's just, it goes back to that heart of friendship. I'm sure, you know, yeah. that desire to, to, to know, to be known, to see, and to be seen right. um, that I think is so critical. My friends give me a hard time uh, and, and my husband, Matt, especially because they're like, Emily, not everybody wants to jump to level 10 as quickly as you want to jump to level 10. I'm like, let's, yeah, like, let's go there. Tell me all about the deepest, you know, aches and longings of your heart. (laughs) But like that comes, and I feel like you're a little bit that way too. Like, yeah, yeah, like, let's just go there. But I think there's, there really is actually like a prudence to the building and like fostering of relationship itself, which is, which is so cool. So you guys, I know have done a ton of different things with this group of couples, um, which I just think is, which is cool because it's a recognition that you're just like, what do we want to talk about? What do we desire to learn about? Um, but one of the books that you read was a Gottman book, right? Yes. Okay. Talk about that. It was great. So, um, we spent 12 months reading through Dr. John Gottman's book, the seven principles for making marriage work. Um, and what, Brad and I especially loved about reading this book is the fact that the author isn't 
Catholic. He's not Christian even. I think he's Jewish. And it was really good to just have like a completely like outside, different outside perspective on marriage. Um, he provided a lot of scientific research. He has done tons of awesome, interesting studies. Like for anyone who's unfamiliar with Dr. John Gottman, you should totally look up his research studies on couples. He would like put people in a room for 24 hours with a video camera and like try to make them feel tense and like just see how they worked. And he would just measure like their blood pressure and just different things, their breathing. And um, it's fascinating. But anyways, yeah. So we read his book and gosh, he just has so many awesome things to offer. Um, I think what Brad and I really loved about reading his book as well is just it provides a better vocabulary for talking about things in your marriage. Some of it was, what was that? You have like, what's an example? Like, what do you mean by that? Yeah, totally. So like, okay, so here's one good concrete example. Um, So he talks about like honoring your spouse's dreams and there are three different levels to that. So there's like observing, like being aware of your spouse's dream and um, hold on, I just need to, I think I wrote it down. Yeah. So express understanding. So that's like phase one, like number one, you can express understanding of your spouse's dream and the level two is actively enabling their dream and level three is becoming part of the dream so for me i love to write i do freelance writing and brad is at a level three of honoring my dream he understands my dream he enables my dream um, by like letting me write giving me time to write hanging out with willow so i have that time and also like becoming part of that dream and like talking through some of my writing ideas with me um But for Brad's dream or his hobby of golf, I'm only at a level two (laughs) because I can understand that he loves to play golf and I can enable his love for golf by saying like, yes, go out and play golf with your friends. But I'm not becoming part of that dream because I don't appreciate the love of golf. Like I just don't. (laughs) And so like, I'm not quite at that point, but that gives me a vocabulary for trying to think of other things that I want to get to a three on. Like, okay, I don't really like golf. I don't think I'll be playing 18 holes with him, but what is another thing that I know that Brad enjoys that I could get to a level three on that I want to try to become part of? Um, He also talks about, you know, bids for connection and turning towards each other. Um, So for example, say I am at home and, or Brad and I are eating dinner, right? And there's no ketchup and we're having meat and he wants some ketchup with his meat. He could say, you know, like, hey, do we have any ketchup? And I could be like, well, I don't know. Like, do we like go check in the refrigerator? Or I could turn towards him and see that as an opportunity to love him and to serve him. And I could say, no, we don't have any ketchup, but I'll put it on the grocery list. Just something where it's more like taking that extra step instead of just being, you know, like, oh, whatever. Like, I don't care. We might not. Um, Yeah. And other things too, like, you know, I think that some people, including me, like sometimes if I'm stressed out, I don't always say things in the most loving way. Um, So for example, like, if I wanted to go for a walk with Brad and he doesn't like going for walks, I could complain and be like, you know what? You never go with walks for me. Like, let's go for a walk. 
Or I could say to him, I would love it if you went for a walk with me. And that's inviting him to go for a walk with me. And then he's seeing like, oh, that's like a bid for connection. Susanna wants to go for a walk for me, walk with me, rather than, you know, him feeling like, oh, you're blaming me for not wanting to go for a walk with me. This is probably a bad example because it's usually switched. <laughs> usually he's the one making the bid for connection, asking if I want to go for a walk. And I'm like, oh, I kind of just want to like stay home and sit on the couch. Um, <laughs> but yeah, those are just a few examples. Do you get um, the marriage, the marriage minute emails from the Gottman Institute? Yeah. I love them. Yes. Actually, the one yesterday I thought was great. It talked about how, you know, a lot of people think that conflict is a reason why many couples get divorced, but how like conflict doesn't have to be a big deal in a marriage. It's how you react to that conflict. It's how you like go about having those conversations, which is so true. Yeah. That's ironic because Matt and I, I had the most epic fail of engaging in conflict last night, which is really vulnerable to admit on a, on a podcast, but oh my gosh, it was so bad. I don't even know what it was about, but I, I totally snapped. <laughs> I just totally snapped. And, uh, Matt had to, had to run out and he was, uh, running over to a, to a friend's house for their men's group or whatever. And it took me about an hour before I could send the text, like, I'm sorry. That was an epic fail of me being yeah. able to love you well. I did not respond to this conflict. Uh, all. You know, but it's like, okay, this is the, where the rubber meets the road of the work, you totally. know? Yeah. And those, I mean, it's hard sometimes to apologize. Like, I hate to say that, but there are times where I'm like, okay, you need to, you need to just be humble here and admit that you were wrong. And I just have to like grit my teeth sometimes and get to that point of being able to apologize. But yeah. So do you feel like the intentionality of like reading this book, not only together, but reading it with friends, you mentioned earlier that it gave you the language Mm -hmm. to describe some of these experiences that you were having. Um, so do you feel like you became then more aware of your, just the invitation to better love love your husband and you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Because I think that it, it just gave me more perspective on, and on the different ways too that like Brad and I, for example, handle conflict. Um, like Gottman talks about how biologically men are actually more hesitant to have like disagreements and to bring up disagreements. Um, which is something we talked about in our marriage group. Cause I'm like, is this true guys? Like, are you actually like more prone to like avoid having a confrontational conversation? And, and a lot of the guys, I mean, we have great men in our marriage group and they're like, you know, they bring up conflict. Like they don't have dysfunctional marriages, but they did say like, they think it has something to do with the fight or flight response. And like when there's conflict, they want to like get to the bottom of it. Whereas as women, or at least for me, when there's conflict, sometimes I just need to like talk about it and I need a little bit of a break and then we can readdress it. Um, so I think like sometimes for Brad, like if there's something and we have a disagreement, like he wants to talk it through and work it out. And I do too, but I usually need to process and I need more time. And sometimes I need a day or two 
um, and just like kind of that understanding too that like I think as a man like he just not even like I think there's the expression a lot of times like men just want to fix it and I don't feel like he's just like wanting to fix it or something and in fact usually I want him to fix it <laughs> like like I'll tell him like he'll look at me sometimes when I ask him questions and he's like do you want me to actually offer my advice or do you just want me to listen and I'm like no like give me your advice like I want it um but yeah I think just understanding like the different ways in which we handle conflict is has been really good and and even just things like turning towards each other just trying to keep that at the forefront of my mind it's very simple but I think that if I had that focus every day then I am constantly trying to think like okay well what's one thing I can do to die to self or what's one extra way that I can serve him granted I don't always do that at all but just that concept of like okay turning towards your spouse like that is so it's going to be so beneficial in having a stronger, healthier marriage. Yeah. So I think it's, it's interesting because you guys could have easily done this thing by yourself. Like you and Brad could have easily said, Hey, let's just read this thing together, read this book together, or you could have even done it by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, but you chose to not only do it with Brad, but you also chose to do it with other couples. Yeah. Um, And And I would love just to hear your perspective on how that has benefited. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like what's been the benefit of inviting other couples into your marriage in that way? And maybe even what's been the challenge? You know, I think, I think if we're honest, there's challenges um, that can come with, because people are people, right? And sometimes we, whatever. Um, What's been the benefit and the challenge of that? Yeah. I think uh, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but just hearing other people's perspectives on things is so helpful. You know, like Brad and I, we read the chapter and we do the exercises before we meet and that's really good for us. But then we meet with our friends and we talk about things and then suddenly we have a whole new lens to think about things through. Um, I know that, well, there's one couple in our group and they, um, they just love being home and I tend to be like a little bit more busy, (laughs) like trying to find things to do and places to go. Um, and yeah. And so I think like for Brad and I, it's very important to have a weekly date night, whether that's, you know, finding a wine tasting or just putting our phones away and being intentional and spending time with one another and watching a TV show on the couch together, but just like doing something where we're, we're saying like, this is our time together. Um, but this other couple, like they enjoy spending time at home. They enjoy spending time with one another. So a weekly date night isn't necessarily like something that's on their calendar because they just love hanging out with each other all the time at home, which I think is so awesome. And so for me, like having that couple to look at in our group, it's like, wow, like I want to work towards that. Like I want to also, you know, find more joy in just the simplicity of being home with my family, which now in quarantine, I definitely am. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just think that they like offer so many different ways that we can grow into, like grow in virtue. So I think that that's the benefit of being with other couples is 
the ways that they challenge you with just being themselves, you know, like they never challenge us like, Hey, you should like be happier at just being home, but they just live their life. And then I saw that and that was inspiring to me. Yeah. I think that's a good, I think that's a good distinction because sometimes I think it's tempting to, I don't know, want to go into advice mode with our friends. Have you noticed that ever? Like it's, I think there's just this temptation to when we, when somebody's sharing maybe with us, uh, an experience that they're having difficult or wonderful, there's a real temptation for us to want to, uh, offer, mm-hmm. Oh, this is what you should do. You know, never was this more clear to me than when I was expecting our first child. And I mean, the amount of advice that was coming my way in preparation was quite frankly, a little bit overwhelming for me. And I think like what you're so beautifully articulating is it's actually just by means of a lived witness in life together, doing life together. That's so beautifully attractive. And that just speaks volumes, which is so cool. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Matt and I have been meeting with Uh, a few couples for the last two or three years as well. And that's one of the things that we often talk about um, is, oh, we really like how, you know, this couple does this thing. We should, we should work on that. Or I really admire this couple and just their ability to, um, yeah, be, be at home together and in great joy and contentment. I want to emulate that. How can we emulate, emulate that? And it's not because they said, oh, you should just be at home together and enjoy that that would never work. Right. You know, like it's, it is, it really is kind of this lived, um, yeah, this lived experience, but it also pulls us out of ourselves. And I'd be, I'd be interested to hear, I don't know if this has been your experience, but there's times where, uh, and my friends are listening to this. So (laughs) forgive me friends, but there's times where it's like, Oh man, like we got to get up, get out of the house drop off, you know, our girls at a babysitter in order to prioritize this. And it can be kind of overwhelming. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, or it can kind of feel like work in some regard. Have you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, I might have friends from our marriage group listening to this as well, but fortunately I think they can relate. (laughs) Yeah, I agree been guilty of like doing our reading the night before or maybe even the day of like yes we have an entire month but we're all like yeah we like didn't do all the exercises that the book suggested or we only got like halfway through the chapter um in the car on the way over it's like oh yeah okay so we should look at this really quick so we have something to offer right yeah and I think that definitely like there have been a few times where because we waited a little bit too long to read the chapter you know, we're trying to like read through it and it feels a little bit more like a job than it should, you know? And so I think that, um, again, like it, it just is a good reminder when I realize that, like, okay, how come this is feeling rushed? How come this is feeling like a job? It's probably because we didn't make it a high enough priority earlier in the month, which goes back to like, you need to make your marriage a priority in order to thrive. And yeah, yeah, I definitely think there are times when in the busyness, it it can seem like a lot. And fortunately, so there's another couple in our marriage group and they have a son who's the exact same day as well, same day and everything. Um, 
And so knowing that they're like showing up for our groups every month is like, okay, like we can do this. Like we're in this together and maybe our babies are going to be screaming and maybe we're going to be needing to feed them, but like they're showing up and we're showing up and like we're in this together. Um, so it's always worth it. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of makes me wonder authentic community, I think has to cost us something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't know, and I don't know yet what that means. All I know is that three years ago, Matt and I sat across our dining room table, looked at each other and said, what if we radically invested in the people around us? Because we had this tendency to pull away or when things got difficult or when we felt overwhelmed, it was like, that was almost the first thing that was cut. And it just was really convicting. What if we prioritized people? Mm -hmm. and and radically invested in these people it will cost us something and it will offer us everything you know um yeah totally I think like we certainly have made our marriage group a priority but I feel and I think Brad would agree like we feel so honored that we're able to like do this with these other couples like I feel so honored that they want to show up but they're willing to show up and Mm -hmm it's really strengthened our friendships with them in such beautiful ways because we know them on a deeper, more intimate level. Um, so I just feel so grateful that like they've also invested deeply into our lives and into our marriage and care. Yeah. And they want you to flourish and succeed, which is what's so honoring is you now have a group of people around you that are championing for you and you know, on this podcast, we talk a lot about just seasons, seasons of life and seasons of marriage. And I remember my favorite professor in college, do you ever take a class with Dr. Burry? I did not, but I heard great things. Oh man, he was yeah. so good. But one of the things my that- one college regret not taking his class. <laughs> oh yeah. It was just was incredible. But I remember him talking about like the season will change in every marriage and there will be a winter and spring will come but you're going to need champions that are going to help you get through the winter kind of thing. And I, and it just was like deeply moving to me. And I think it has led to this place of for Matt and I, this desire um, we're investing in these things. Now we're investing in our marriage now uh, because, because someday the season will change and we want to have the habits and those people in place that are going to be willing to, to kind of fight for us. Um, so one of the changes that I think is so common for, for especially young families, but really even like older couples as well, who are maybe now empty nesting or are entering grandparenting phase of life, uh, for young families starting to have children. Um, you're a new mama, you've got an eight month old. What's been, what's been the gift or, um, what's been your experience, I guess, of continuing to make your marriage a priority, um, especially amidst this transition? Yeah. Yeah. I know that this definitely isn't the case for everyone, but I feel very blessed that like having a baby has strengthened our marriage so, so much. Um, I think that we had a really good marriage before, but at least for me, I noticed that it was a lot easier for me to be selfish before we had a baby. And now that we have a little one that we need to care for, it's like, okay, she's our priority. Our marriage is our priority, but like 
she's our priority and we need to, you know, love her and keep her alive. <laughs> and, um, and so suddenly like you have this joint goal, you know, kind of like I talked about before too, like, I don't have a passion for golf, you know, like that's not our shared common goal, but like our goal is to like love our daughter well. Um, and so suddenly like she's our priority and we work together in that, but also it's so much easier for us to anticipate one another's needs. Like I was sleep deprived and Brad, not, he, he, he could see that. And so, you know, he would step in and say like, Hey, why don't you let me put Willow to bed and you can get ready for bed so you can go to bed early. Um, or, you know, like now through communication, like I recognize that when he gets home from work, like it's good to just give him five minutes to just, you know, whether he needs to change out of his work clothes or just like take a breath or something like to give him that five minutes before, you know, inviting him into like whatever Willow and I are doing. And so I think like it's really helped us love each other in more specific ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But it definitely, there've definitely been times where it's like, especially at the beginning where I was like, oh my gosh, are we ever going to just hang out the two of us ever again? (laughs) Because I want to go to bed when Willow goes to bed because I'm so exhausted. Like we're never going to watch a TV show again. We're never going to go to eat again. Um, And obviously that changes, but yeah, I think like during those busy like phases of life, like it's definitely, you know a time where I think it's important to try to make sure that you're having one-on-one time as a couple. And I guess not one-on-one time, like without kids around, because that's not always possible. But I know that we had to like, in the early months, at least when she was really little, just find time to like prioritize us just talking or us, you know, doing something that felt like a date. Mm -hmm. Um, to make sure that we were still pouring into our marriage because pouring into our marriage is going to make us better parents and it's going to make us refreshed for a new day. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like you said before, like investing in people, like it takes sacrifice too. And sometimes we have to say no to things in order to like give things a greater yes. And, and yeah, I mean, this is maybe a weird small example, but there are times where I was really tired, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to stay up for an extra hour and, hang out with Brad because like I need that and we need that. Um, and it was always worth it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful example. And, um, I, I just, I'm always moved when couples continue to make their marriage a priority, uh, amidst those transitions. And, you know, when you were telling me uh, a while back about your marriage group, a couple weeks ago about your marriage group and just continuing to, to invest in it. Um, even though now it's even more of a challenge because you, you know, you've got some extra cargo coming along or that you're going to be dropping off or, or whatever. Um, but I think it's so important and it is, it's bonding because you now share this priority of parenting, which I think is such a gift. Um, and Matt and I have experienced that as well, but I think we're also looking at, okay, but also what are our other priorities that when that priority is sailing and on their own someday and we're empty nesters, you know, kind of that what remains thing. Um, and so, yeah, I think having something like your group or your friendships that are kind of pursuing that common thing together 
um, I'm sure, I'm sure it's just so helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. It just kind of keeps you like, it keeps you looking up. It keeps you looking out. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise I think for, for Matt and I, at least like, it's so easy to just get really inward focused mm-hmm. and yeah. And kind of forget to like, okay, there's things outside of what's happening right here. And that has been the benefit, like that's made all the difference in the world for us being reminded that, um, yeah, the outside perspective and, and all of those things, which I think is so helpful. Um, okay. The last thing I want to talk to you about, because you are just such a beautiful example of this. Um, I think for many moms, especially those that are, uh, maybe staying at home, there can be a lot of resentment that builds up because things can feel unbalanced. Um, you know, I'm obviously, I'm obviously a working mom, but, but I experienced this even in my times at home on maternity leave or whatever, like there can kind of be a resentment and things can feel unbalanced. And, um, I'm wondering, you know, from your experience as a new mom and as somebody that really does prioritize your relationship with Brad, um, how has investing in Brad helped you to feel more balanced? Um, And then, and two, like, did that, because I know you, I know that that started before you even ever got married. So I just would love for you to talk a little bit about kind of how you've um, journeyed in that. Yeah. I think that, you know, the more you invest in your spouse in marriage, like the more love just like multiplies. Like I'm sure you and Matt have experienced this. Like, for example, you know, maybe in the morning after breakfast, like I wash Brad's cup that he had a smoothie in. And then he notices that and he doesn't say anything to me, but he's like, wow, Susanna, like wash my cup. Like I want to try to do something for her today. And it just like kind of compounds and like, not that that's ever the goal. We can't be keeping score, but I think just like trying to continually like seek out the other's needs or even desires um, really just builds up your marriage. And I definitely know like you were talking about resentment and I've heard from some stay-at-home moms that it can just be, <clears throat> excuse me, really difficult because their husband will get home from a long day of work and he feels like he's done all the work that day. And she's like, well, I've been working too. And she's not getting a lot of help from her husband because he's like, well, I'm done. So I just need to kick up my feet and relax. Or, you know, <clears throat> there are some women who say that like, it's just easier for them to calm their baby down. And so they just do it because it's easier, which it's true. It might be easier, but then you're going to be the one who's constantly soothing your baby. And in the long run, like you're making it a lot harder on yourself. Um, fortunately I don't feel that with Brad. Um, but I was actually, so Brad and I are in the process of moving. And so his parents are here helping us. And we were talking a little bit about marriage and his dad was saying, you know, you can't keep score. It's not a 50, 50 game. If it's a 50-50 game, you're setting yourself up for failure. It has to be 100-100. And I just thought that was such a good way to say it because it's totally right. If you're keeping track, if I'm like, okay, well, I did, like I washed the floors, I cooked dinner, and I took care of our child, and like that's my 50 and I'm done. And then, you know, your husband's or your spouse's other half is just like, well, my 50 was at work. Then like 
<clears throat> nothing's going to get done or at least not done well because you're both like throwing in the towel. But if you're each trying to give 100, like your day is just going to be so much more full. Um, obviously, you know, that's easier said than done. And there have been times where I've really needed to be like, I, I need to ask for Brad's help. Like, Hey, like it's been a long day and I'm sorry. Like I want to give you a little bit more of a break, but like I need help. And he gets that and he understands that. Um, and kind of like I mentioned this before, but for us, it's been a really good example. And so I always go back to it, but you know, I think earlier on, like Brad would come home from work after we had Willow, Brad would come home from work and I'd be like, Hey, like, can you take Willow? Like I'm going to go to the bathroom or Hey, can you take Willow? Like I'm going to start dinner. And he was happy to, but he also just wanted a couple minutes, you know, just to like recollect and like be ready to dive into a new part of his day. And so he just shared that with me one day. Like, I, I'm so excited to see you. I'm so excited to see Willow. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you when I'm at work. But sometimes I just need to take my shoes off. Or sometimes I just need to, like, go to the bathroom or whatever it might be. Drink a cup of water. Um, and so then after that, like, after he just expressed that one simple need, that one, like, five minutes, one to five minutes, it made a big difference in our day because suddenly I would see him like welcome him home, give him a kiss. And then, you know, Willow and I would hang out or we'd read a book. And then he, he even said, he's like, once I had a couple minutes, he's like, I couldn't wait to jump into the day. I was kind of jealous when I like heard you reading a book to her. Cause I wanted to be there too. And like, I just think, you know, something that helps me feel balanced is just expressing my needs and our communication um yeah I think that's critical yeah I think that's beautiful and and you even just being able to name that there's sometimes where I'm not going to be able to give 100 percent that's the goal you know my my goal is that I'm going to be flourishing at 100 percent capacity all the time and sometimes I'm not going to be and to be able to say all right I've got I've got 60 percent you know where are you at okay I've got 70 so where are we going to make up the difference how can we kind of uh set up our evening in such a way that it's going to allow us that space to recharge a little bit together um and that might mean that tonight I'm going to maybe carry a little bit more of the weight and you go sit outside and enjoy some sun or vice versa. Um, and so, yeah, figuring out how to do that, but being able to express your needs. I love how you said that. I think that's so, so critical and so helpful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you've just got so much wisdom to share. It's awesome, it's awesome to hear your heart and, and especially as you transition, you know, thank you. It's a gift. Okay. So before we end, uh, I want to know if there is a question that you have been pondering. This is a place with more questions than answers because yeah. yeah. we're all trying to figure it out. And, and I think that asking questions of ourselves and of others mm-hmm. uh, can just be so telling and helpful. So is there a question that you have been thinking about recently? Yeah, there definitely has been. It's one I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, so I mentioned that we just moved. Um, so we're like a week into our new house right now and it's been awesome. Um, but we used to live in St. Paul and that's where our community is. And now we're about 15 minutes out. So the question I've been thinking about and praying with a lot is just, you know, 
does where you live affect your community Mm. and how does proximity affect your community? Now, my hope is that it doesn't change too much because, you know, like the relationships I have 15 minutes away are so, so important to me. Um, But also here I'm going for walks with Willow and I'm just like, where's the new mom? Where's the young couple? Like I'm going to introduce myself and say hi. Like I want the, I want to find those people here. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious to see like how a move affects, you know, your community. Maybe it will a lot or maybe it won't. I don't know. So that's my question. Yeah. Oh man, that's so interesting. Yeah. What's the role of proximity Yeah. in relationship? Oh, that's a good question. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> that's a really good one. Um, Susanna, where can people, you mentioned you're a writer, where can people find some of your work? Yeah. Oh, thank you for asking. So um, usually what I do is I repost um, previously published work to my blog, Fiat and a Lily. Um, so it's F-I-A-T-A-N-D, Fiat and a Lily at blogspot.com. Great. Okay. I'll include that in my show notes awesome. um, so that people can go, go back and read. I know you do a lot of work with Blessed Is She and uh, is it Radiant Magazine as yes, well? Yeah. Mm-hmm written a lot for them too. So yeah, your, your work is just awesome. And, uh, yeah, helping so many people, uh, across, across the United States. So, all right, friends, thank you so much for joining. Great to talk to you too, Susanna. Friends, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Definitely be sure to check out those show notes um, and follow along with Susanna, her work, her writing. She's just got a beautiful heart. Uh, And we will see you next time. Bye.